I'm wondering how many of you remember Maurice Sendak's book, Where the Wild Things Are? Oh, good. <laughs> Lots of nods. Maybe you had kids that were like Max. <laughs> it was a book that was a delight for children as well as adults, and it later became a musical. Max created a rumpus, and so he was sent to his room for that wild behavior. And he settled into a dream which took him far away for a while, where he encountered strange things and had lots of adventures. But he didn't want to stay there forever. And so he came home where he found his dinner waiting for him, and it was still warm. And the reader is left to be curious. Did anything about Max undergo a change while he was on this dream trip? In our lesson from the Hebrew scripture, we find Jacob, who is another wild child, driven by fear and perhaps by regret. He is on the run. Like Max, Jacob caused a rumpus. He lied to his dying father, and he stole his brother's inheritance. We see him as he settles in for the night. He lands in no place special and lays a stone pillow down for his head. He assumes that he travels alone in this life, this life that he had made for himself, and he believes that he is in control. But sleep is a vulnerable time, a time that we know that other voices speak, in nightmares, in dreams. We enter a time of yielding, of handing over our wakeful control. Carl Jung says that when we sleep, the soul is lit up completely by many eyes, and with them we can see everything we would not see in the daytime. This is where our inmost self hears what our conscious minds do not hear. First, Jacob sees something he would not have seen in a woke state, a ladder reaching the skies on which there are angels moving up and down. And then he hears a voice extending a promise of newness. The text says that God came alongside Jacob with a promise of land and children, and perhaps most important, a promise of accompaniment, of continual presence even when he wakes. Carl Jung calls this and other spiritual dreams the big dreams because they help us transform how we see the world. When emerging from a dream like this, a big spiritual dream, everything changes. 
And we hear it in Jacob. He says immediately, surely God was in this place. And I didn't know it. This place, this no place, is God's place. This is the gate of heaven. These are the secrets hidden from the conscious mind. This is a true reality, which Jacob knows in his deepest place, his soul place, and it will change him. He will reconcile with the brother he deceived. His name will be remembered as one of the patriarchs of Israel. I won't give away the rest of his story, but you can read it in Genesis. And then we move to the gospel. A promise of change is given to Nathanael by Jesus in these very few verses from the Gospel of John. And this strange encounter is loaded with significance. We know next to nothing about Nathanael. Some commentators say, well, maybe he was Bartholomew later in the text, but we really don't know. We only know that his friend Philip told him that he had met the Messiah and he invites Nathanael to come along. And Nathaniel's response to that is, he's from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Not a very promising beginning. Nazareth, for him, was no place. But Jesus meets Nathaniel with a comment that reads Nathaniel's soul. And he mentions the ladder of angels that Jacob saw. But he extends that vision from a dream into new territory because Jesus, in essence, tells him that he himself is the latter. He himself is the connection between heaven and earth. He himself is the one that will enable blessing from God, between God and humanity. And Nathaniel's life will be changed. Lots of people have had very important dreams. Mendeleev dreamed the periodic table. Beethoven dreamed whole piano sonatas and also instruments that had not yet been invented. Einstein dreamed that he was sliding down a mountainside in the snow and as he slid, it, the speed kept getting faster and faster and faster until it was the speed of light, and he looked up at the stars, and they all looked different. The theory of relativity. Paul McCartney, in a dream, heard the song yesterday. Dr. James Watson saw two snakes in his dream intertwined with their heads on opposite ends and they were wide open and that was the DNA helix. And most of us know about Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech and the march in Washington. 
So I checked with Mr. Google to see if it actually came from a dream. <laughs> it didn't. But, it, but, <laughs> but actually, the prompt came from Mahalia Jackson, who was standing next to him on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And at one point, she said to him, tell them the dream, Martin. Tell them your dream. And he put aside his papers, the rest of the papers, for the speech, grabbed the pulpit, and the rest is history. So what are we to make of all of this? Places that are ordinary, that are of no account, can be sacred ground? Yes. Dreams are one way that God speaks to us? Yes. Going to the deepest places in our soul and paying attention can be life-changing? Yes. Do you have to make a rumpus for this to happen? No. Big dreams have happened to many people. They can happen to you, perhaps they already have. Many years ago, I had a serious medical challenge that left me with a question. If my life is to be short, how shall I spend it? God visited me in a dream, came alongside, and the answer changed my life. Sweet dreams, my friends. May God be with you. Amen.